What's up, everyone? Glad you could join us for another episode of Core 4 Life. We're your hosts, Mike, Matt, Ryan, and Andrew. We provide content aimed at four key pillars in our lives. Be fit, be driven, be noble, and be chill with our faith as the foundation. We're talking to some awesome guests along the way, as well as tackling different topics, all in the pursuit of staying accountable with each other and living our lives the way God intended. Please subscribe and review the podcast if it's been impactful for you in any way, and follow us on social media to find out if there may be something missing in your life. Let's jump into today's episode after a quick ad for our sponsor. <laughs> Do we start by singing that? Like <laughs> and I liked it, I liked it. Let's talk about Marshall Chapstick. Ooh, <laughs> I like that. The harmony was pretty good. Put that in there. I don't, have we listened to that song in the warehouse? I'm sure we have. We have, we have. Not, not enough. Not enough, for what's sure. The, what's the song that we were playing on repeat? Avril Lavigne. Skater Boy. Oh, yeah. See you later, boy. <laughs> Good enough that's, for that's all that was on Matt's playlist. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, big Avril one I, song actually downloaded. On, when, where were we? I, where we're I kept, but I kept on. I just kept on playing it yeah. again. No, no, because no, that was there was an issue. There was yeah, an issue we were trying to. <laughs> the issue was if your favorite song on there, <laughs> and it was the only one that would play. Yeah. <laughs> it was cool the first three times. <laughs> Still cool. Well, guys, welcome back to 2023 here, <laughs> and uh, we got a we got a fun podcast tonight. This one stems off of a podcast we had to close out 2022 uh, when Ryan and I started to get in a little little tiff on the Mars Hill rise uh, rise and fall of Mars Hill podcast, and so we wanted to wanted to bring that up again, kick around some of our thoughts and feelings on the podcast itself. Uh, talk a little bit about Mark Driscoll, um, and then just uh, hopefully that'll lead into kind of where the modern church is at today. So let's let's start with Mark Driscoll and some of our our background first there of just uh, his preaching and what we know about him. I'll I'll even just add too, like I feel like this is something we've talked about offline a number of times. Like you said, you and Ryan were talking about it kind of online oh, yeah. there for for a bit, but I know we've talked a, a decent amount. And just a topic that was pretty close to all of us with local churches and some things that have gone on with the leadership and just kind of thinking through, yeah, what does that look like? What do we, what, what kind of standard do we hold our leaders to in the church? What do we, what's our responsibility? How does that play out? So I know it's, there's a lot of different ways to kind of, we might take them quite a few different ways on this podcast tonight, but Let's just something wild. that we're excited to kind of get into and, and we might disagree on a couple different things here tonight, but Something we just want to talk through and bring everybody along for the discussion. You can tell that this guy's been on a lot of corporate meetings lately, taking it offline, <laughs> talking online. Hey, let's take that one offline. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Always trying to take it offline. <laughs> let's keep this one no, short. We're on, we'll we're take on that line here. <laughs> I never talk about we're on, it. We're on air, bro. <laughs> I like live. Let's go around. We'll start, let's start with Matt. Sure. So... I was introduced to Mark Driscoll in college. I can't remember exactly Personally. when that would have been. No, just <laughs> to his, really his sermons. Um, that would have been like early 2000s. So yeah. 2006, 7, 8, something like that. 
And I remember just loving listen to, listening to his preaching specifically because he sounded so different than pastors I grew up with or even other pastors that I had listened to. Um, I felt like if I had to choose between him and pretty much anyone else, like John Piper is great, but just very different style. And um, I loved the way that he connected with guys and called guys out. Um, that season of my life as well, like I was kind of a mess, um, especially like first couple of years of college, just felt lost, felt like I didn't know, you know, what I, who I wanted to be. And so a lot of his messages were challenging to me too. Um, so it hit me at the perfect time. Um, and he had a huge impact as far as even just growth and, um, you know, deciding that, Hey, like I want to take my faith serious. I'm going to try to make it my own. It's not, doesn't necessarily have to be the stereotypical look or feel. So he brought a lot, you know, a lot of that, um, I thought was really helpful for me at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think as most like younger Christian men, so I mean, we're yeah, late teens, early twenties, kind of when he was, was pretty big on the scene and, that was really attractive. Very young guy, like he's a a fiery kind of fiery prophet, kind of a kind of a speaker, and got you pumped up. And like, mm-hmm. if you're thinking, if you like movies like Braveheart or Gladiator, like you want to go out and like be like a strong Christian man. And he brought a lot of that fire and kind of brought you along into it. So he was definitely a dynamic speaker, like a great preacher, and, and it was grounded in the Word in a lot of ways too. That you were like, oh yeah, like it's cool to be like a strong Christian. And like, you didn't always grow up with that. You're supposed to be kind of meek and mild and like to be like a strong dude wasn't always like encouraged, but he was like calling dudes out right, right and left to like, you need to stand on the word you need to do what's right. Yeah. And that was really attractive. Like to me at that point as well too, to be a guy that was like, you're all in like for Christ. And that was kind of what I took away from like a lot of his messages. It's like, you, you gotta be all in. There's no like standing on the fence. So there, there wasn't that like wishy-washy stuff with him like at all. You're, you're 100% in or, or, or you're out. You're lukewarm and like you're not doing what you're supposed to do. And he wasn't afraid to call you out on that. So I think as a young guy, like that's that was pretty attractive. So mm-hmm. I listened to him for a while. Even Kendall and I both kind of listened to him probably early after we were married. I feel like they were mm-hmm. still around. I don't remember <laughs> date-wise. I forget like when it all kind of went down and went south. But like we even watched some of his sermons online like together and she, you know, enjoyed them for, for what they were at that point. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't really have any experience with Mark Driscoll prior to the, listening to this podcast. So I'd, I'd heard the name and familiar with the church and, um, heard probably a couple of the messages, but I had never really dug deeper into any of his messages. Uh, that's how we got onto the, the topic of the, late nineties, early two thousands Christian music that, uh, that opened this podcast. If Mike keeps that in. Right. Um, That might might stay there. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but yeah, I I didn't have any experience in terms of like my growth years. Uh, I was attending probably Parkside church. So Alistair Begg was uh, a big one for me during that time. And talk about two different, uh, two different styles. I'd say that's pretty, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) yeah. a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. No, that's a that's a good point, and actually, and I didn't realize that you hadn't had any experience with Mark Driscoll prior to listening to that podcast, and actually opens my eyes up a little bit to 
your response, and I, I can 100% see that too, from someone coming in and listening to that podcast for the first time and not having any rooted experience with Mark Driscoll and his preaching, um, I wouldn't expect anything differently from anybody hearing that side of the story. Completely agree. Yeah. You know, completely, that make sense? completely agree. And, and I think with all three of us, like we've, like I've heard a ton of his sermons. I've read all of his books, like his, his message, his, his plagiarized books. They're all, yes. <laughs> we didn't all, know at the time. All of his books are plagiarized. Yes. Every single word. That's right. Picked um, good as, stuff. As Christianity Today always narrates, it's always going to be everything and nothing. You know, there's no both. No on the fence either with this or, podcast. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Go there now. Yep. But yeah, uh, I feel so like we'll, if you we'll had a positive and you felt like you grew spiritually and were impacted by him in a positive way, it was pretty devastating. Like when he kind of when it all went down and when he kind of failed and was, was sort of kicked out and like the right. church itself like failed, like that was, it was a bummer to, to say the least. Yeah. Yeah. So that, I mean, so I kind of wrapped up my experience with, with him and, um, and what I've listened to from him going into it in the first place. But I guess that leads into then the conversation on, the rise and fall of Mars Hill in itself. And again, my, from my perspective, and I think you guys probably share the same thing. I don't think anything that we would say would justify Mark Driscoll's behavior and things that he's done and mistakes that he's made and abuses that he's done. Um, but obviously just want to start getting some feedback from you guys on the podcast in itself and essentially again, the rise and fall of Mars Hill and what went down. Yeah, I will say, like I did not know, I knew that that Mars Hill didn't work out. That there was a you know turmoil. It had something to do with elders, but I didn't know the story, the details. Yeah. yeah. So I was blown away by how much, um, how big that podcast was. I wonder if they had any idea even going into it. It almost seemed like, yeah, hey, we're gonna do this podcast, and it continued and continued um, down different rabbit holes. And aspects of it as it it kind of grew. Yeah, I as think they, almost as the intro, episodes, the bonus right? episode. They're like, we had no <laughs> idea how big this podcast was going to be. Yeah, uh, but people just keep coming with these things, and we'll keep doing stories as they come. Yeah, right. I think in general, it's a it's great that they did that story, even though like there were certain episodes where I was like, all right, um, like I really that I certain episodes that I enjoyed and other episodes that I despised, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, I, and it was on both sides. It was like, sometimes I'm like, Oh my gosh, like what they, um, you know, how this church was run. Um, but it also gives a, a peek behind to just churches in general. Like there is a business aspect of it. There's decisions that have to be made. And, mm-hmm. um, it was very in depth. So a lot of different things we can, we can go into, um, but overall, glad it was it was put together like that. Um, pretty brave uh, group that put it together too. Yeah, no degree, and yeah, like a lot of that that it was interesting. You know, eye opening. And I think as a lot of us, you know, are, are you know to some extent part of like decisions like that. Like with our church now, like that it's a lot of stuff that comes before the elder board. Like it's. It hasn't been solved up until the point now that's in there. So you got to make a decision. So they're, they're not easy decisions. A lot of times they're not easy discussions. Um, so kind of feeling for, you know, the board and, and kind of what you have to go through. But then also just like a look that really, 
I feel like what like hit me is you're kind of going through his story and how the church is growing and how there's there's success there and how that's that's kind of like a, a trap in and of itself like the success in ministry can kind of warp your view to to thinking that you did it all mm-hmm. and that you're the reason that it's successful and to I mean to a large extent I think that was true like that was impacted by the way that he preached there wasn't any other ministry of the church that impacted me at all but then how that can kind of warp his perception of his role and the bigger that the church got, the more he felt like he was kind of untouchable and other pastors of other churches, they weren't big enough to tell him what to do. So he had mm-hmm. the magic formula. He was doing it right. You know, forget you guys. Yeah, like I don't need accountability. Yeah. yeah who needs accountability? <laughs> so I feel like that was, that was really eye opening, and, and, and we see pastors fall in a variety of ways and they kind of say that and, you know, he got fired for, you know, being a jerk. They use other language. Yeah. Um, but just interesting to see that dynamic that even in our pastors, even in ourselves, like we're, we're blind to some areas of where we're weak and we're blind. Sometimes when we're, you're having success, you're more blinded to that. And that's even true in like the spiritual realm. So that was like really eye opening for me that that's, I don't know, like the more success he had, the more vulnerable and the more blind he was to the other areas of his life that he needed to be accountable and he needed to take a step back or to be humble. He couldn't do that because he was full blown into like, I'm the man, I'm making this church yeah. do look, what it's doing. I have to be right because, because look at my church. So whatever I do has got to be right. Mm-hmm. And just how that twists your mind, that success, I feel like at work, like you're still accountable to, you know, to a board or to somebody that's higher than you. And that, you know, if you're a jerk, that's going to affect you on, on the work end too. And that's for sure going to be true in the church. Even if you feel like God's got your back because your church really big, that doesn't mean you're doing things right. Yeah. I guess I'm curious what, like what I said last time that you disagreed with and we started chatting about. Yeah, I don't remember actually. <laughs> yeah. Guess you should have listened to the episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, let's just hear. I guess your overall thoughts on the podcast itself, and um, just yeah, where you where you fall on it. Yeah, I mean, I thought that the podcast was very well done. Like Matt said, I feel like there's a ton of evidence pointing to things that were run incorrectly and things that were done outside of. Um, God's will, like it's essentially the will of Mark at that point, um, just pointed to his obsession with his fame and his glory and his willingness to throw, get anybody under the bus, as he so famously put it. God willing, the bus will run over more people. (laughs) Right. For whatever he said. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like there's a pile of bodies "Mm." behind the bus and God willing, there'll be 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 a bigger pile at the end of the day. And so like I, my main point was that like, yeah, so there were probably a ton of guys who came to faith through Mark Driscoll's ministry. There are a ton of guys who came to the faith and maybe even grew in their Christianity because he was an outspoken, bombastic, like, man just out here preaching the the male gospel, essentially. Like, you know, Jesus was a badass, you know, type gospel, which I think is true to some degree. Mm-hmm. But my main question was did the did the ends justify the means i think that's the main question yeah, yeah. and that's i think that's what you guys kind of got into that was like okay 
and that's what it's impossible to put a number on it. It's like, all right, how how many people kind of fell away because of the example? How many people came to Christ because of the example? And that's where it's like, it's hard to know. And so you kind of look at the end and you're like, all right, well, it failed. And you're like, it's it's hard to like be like, all right, how many people did come to Christ and, and are still walking now? And you, mm-hmm. you know, you're never going to know that this side kind of, of eternity. But yeah. that's I think that's an interesting question. That was kind of like a missing aspect of the podcast in general. Like you didn't really get, um, you know, stories of people that maybe came into Marcel, experienced it and were out, you know, like people move and like there was, I know there's a lot of, it was painted. They were looking at the negative light of it for sure. And they're looking at the entire, you know, scope, like from start to finish, which by all accounts seems like the beginning there was a lot of really positive stuff and by the end it was a different monster yeah um i think even if you look back like some of the like him doing william wallace the second and like that whole like uh tweets and stuff like that was two years three years into his ministry like yeah I, i think that there's evidence going back even further that there was something wrong but yeah and that's like i feel like with all of us too like we have those areas that if maybe if it would have grown slower, like like somebody would have been able to call him out and be like, "Hey, bad bad decision, bad idea." He could have repented and like yeah. moved forward, but but that didn't happen, obviously. And then it grew and snowballed, and right. he became that, and you know, in the elder room and and everything else. <laughs> so yeah, the, the the question of do the ends justify the means? I think that's the biggest question, and I think trying to think back to where our discussion was going i mean what are your what are your thoughts on just that question of does his ends justify the means like what do you what do you think about mark driscoll from that podcast and essentially what happened yeah i mean so like i don't think that his that his methods let me think about how I want to phrase this. I think ultimately his methods were to glorify himself, and but do to you know that, like, based do you know his heart. How can I, how can I possibly this is know all, that? That's this a is stupid, all opinion. That's a stupid question. <laughs> exactly. It's a it's a dumb. We're question looking at the evidence because there's we have no to answer. Make just it. like how you just said that, I think his his means. You asked me what I think. I know his means <laughs> were to justify or to glorify himself. Uh-huh. That would say that you know his heart. It's an answer to the question that you asked me. Right, but you called my question dumb of do you know his heart? <laughs> you said you knew his okay, heart. Okay, so you Let's know you, the question. So you know that his heart was fully focused on Jesus. I do then. not. Okay. So then what do you think about his ministry? I like think what do you ministry, think about all the people who uh, were extremely hurt by him and who like had their lives impacted negatively and who we were yeah. taken away from the path that they were on. Yeah, that's a that's a good question. And why that's a good question is because I think, uh, again, those people who were, the, where that happened, they put their faith in Mark Driscoll, not into Christ. Okay, and that seems to be, based on the way that he ran his ministry, what he was looking for. But that gets back to, do we really know that? Like, again, I feel like from, from my perspective. Well, share what you think. I think yeah. let's go around and let's all share what we think. We're all going to, we're making For a judgment sure. here. Exactly. So yeah, one way or another. We're all going to share our, our and, opinion. And my perspective is we, we're all broken. We all are selfish. We all make mistakes. 
we all who are Christians feel like God is calling us to something, right? And one of Mark's biggest things is he that he always says, like, I feel called by God to marry grace, train men, and preach the gospel. Something like, I forget what the, the full phrase is. And I feel like all of the sermons and things I've listened to, that is 100% the truth. Like, he does feel called to raise his family in how God is calling him to, to preach the Bible like God is calling him to. And his mistakes are being a very prideful man, having anger, leading in a way that's demonstrative, things that have caused Mars Hill to fall. Do I think mm-hmm. that his his heart was like, well, I'm, I don't really care about what God's calling me to. I care about how I'm going to pump myself up and make myself to be the best. I feel like he was feeling called from God to lead and grow this church in a way to lead tens of thousands of people to Christ. That's my opinion. Okay. And I think that's a fair opinion to have on that. And I think, again, we might differ across the table on kind of how we view that. And I don't know if you want to wrap up kind of what you were thinking. I mean, I'll, I'll sort of share it like, I, I was torn on it again. Like I was impacted by his ministry a lot in what I feel like was a positive way um, for the most part. Um, you know, I wasn't in those meetings. I'm not getting belittled by him. So it's, you know, it's kind of easy for me to say I, I got all the positive mm-hmm. parts from from his preaching, like you were saying, like that, where he's pointing me to the Bible, telling me to be a better man, telling me to run hard after Christ. Like I got to experience all the good stuff from that. But then again, I wasn't a person that the bus was backing over and getting run over. Um, So like for me, I guess, like, yeah, I'm torn. I think there there were people that were impacted positively for sure. But I also like think like in scripture and like like verses that are like, hey, if you're going to lead a child astray, like it's better for you to have a millstone tied around your neck and, you know, thrown Mm -hmm. in the ocean or whatever. Like there's if you're if you're putting yourself in leadership, I feel like I want to be cautious because. Again, leaders are human too. We're we're all failable. We're in some ways in leadership positions, and I'm certainly not perfect. Right. But like, there's also, you know, a higher calling, and there should be a maturity in leadership, and that that didn't happen behind the scenes. And where his preaching was, you know, again, I don't know. I've listened to all his sermons, but like the ones that I'd listened to were biblically based. Were pushing people towards Christ. Um. I also feel like. It, it got warped enough that the name of Christ was kind of drugged through the mud for a lot of that in the last few years. So that's where I'm kind of like, all right, do the ends justify the means? We're never going to know how many people stayed Christians or how many people just came for from sure. Mark. Like, yeah. you know, again, we don't know all their hearts, but like for me, I, I kind of struggle to be like, yeah, I'm like, maybe again, we won't know the side of eternity. I guess the answer to that. But like, I think that's kind of where I land that I'm like, gosh, like in the end, it seems like, you know, it's a pretty big public failure and that, that sucks. It yeah. sucks for the church. It sucks for the name of Christ. Um, and as much as he was responsible for a lot of good stuff, then that was also the bad stuff came along behind that. And I think yeah. that's, it's tough to finish well, right? Like it's tough mm-hmm. as, as dudes, like it's tough to finish well, like mm-hmm. regular guys, let alone if you're in front of everybody else where all your failures are going to be highlighted because you're supposed to be the example of a perfect man of God and none of us are right but that's where that's, I struggle well, that it like the, and the purifying process didn't seem to happen and, and you also preaching stayed solid and you also mentioned that you know his gospel seemed to be from your point Christ-centered and like 
true. I think a lot of his sermons were probably Christ centered, Mm -hmm. but then look at those verses. Like Andrew mentioned, like you can preach the gospel with power, but if you don't have love or if you don't have the love of God in your heart, you're nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. So like, I think that we have enough evidence from behind the scenes, the recordings where he's like, this is my church. Like, you know, you're, you're just getting in my way. I'll run you over. Like, because this is about me, like listening to those meetings it's pretty evident that his heart or his focus seemed to be on the church that he was building. Yeah, definitely a a fall of, of his personality, for sure. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. But, again, I think going back to the point of the people who were run over by the bus in that situation, like, we're, we're talking about his preaching, and, like, so if you're going to that church, like, we can even compare it to to our church, like, if we, and what we're doing. So we're going to church, but church isn't Sunday morning, right? That's, that's just mm-hmm. a piece of it. So you're going to church, you're hearing a sermon. Sounds like from everything we've heard, you're going to Sunday and you're hearing Mark Driscoll preach a very gospel centered message. Okay. So you've got that. And then outside of that, what are you doing? Are you serving in that church? Hopefully, um, you're being involved in that way. You're hopefully joining some type of a group within that church of other fellow Christians in that area to build a community of believers to work and keep each other accountable uh, to what you're doing. Outside of that, as a church member for with Mars, Mars Hill, I don't see how you get run over by the bus as a person based on that if you're putting your faith and your trust into Christ and not Mark Driscoll. Like, again, that that's my biggest hang-up with the whole podcast and how they delivered everything was that Yes, Mark Driscoll, we can argue the fact of should he ever have even been in that position in the first place? Was he doing it for selfish motives only? Like, we don't know his complete heart. What we do know is he was in that position. He was causing a church to grow extremely fast and bring tens of thousands of people to Christ. From there, what are those people doing to further their walks with Christ? Not what is Mark doing for them to grow their walk with Christ. That is on, that is my only biggest hang-up with where everything is at. Because I feel like, yeah, you can we can get into like his, his staff team and maybe some of the elder relationships because those are much closer relationships that he's working with those people mm-hmm. for sure. And just like in any mm-hmm. job or business, you're going to have relationships that aren't going to work out based on personalities and how things are structured. So outside of those relationships... Uh, the rest of the tens of thousands of people that have attended Mars Hill and been a part of that, I don't see how you get run over by the bus if you're involved in that church and doing what you need to do as a Christian. And if things get to a point where you're like, this is not right anymore. I'm going to leave this church and go to a church that is now preaching a gospel-centered message if that wasn't happening. Like, that's on you. That's not on Mark Driscoll. But are you saying that, like... So he'll just continue to go down that path and shouldn't be held accountable. Like just, no, I'm saying if, if cause he's throwing his elders under the bus and saying good riddance. I'll say, but, but luckily there was some really strong men in that church that right. eventually now I, it's unfortunate. It took so long. It took a long time. Right. Um, like it, obviously the church explodes and who can predict that. But by the time they were dealing with some of those, uh, issues. I mean, it was so big that um, it was just messier. 
you know, and, and that's what caused involved. the big fall is like, yeah, you, now you've got this huge church that grew so fast, yeah. all based on pretty much the preaching of Mark Driscoll. Well, know, it, and, and it goes in depth in even just the model that they took as far as growth. You know, like we were part of a church that was, you know, church we're at was a branch off of another church, you know, is in that same period of time, right, where they were doing campuses. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, now we're an independent church. And I, that was a specific topic that just kind of hit home because we went through that. We were all a part of yep. CCC. Yep. Um, but they, you know, they poked some holes in that model a little bit as well. Um, and, it, you know, I just thought that was an interesting part as well as far as you got this huge church, multiple different campuses, and maybe that's not the best model, you yeah. know. Well, and that, I mean, that brings up a good point of just, again, Mark's calling. I, I that was another part of it, I think, was to plant churches. Hmm. And again, like, is that Mark's calling or is that God's calling for Mark's life? Like, we don't, we don't know where he was feeling all of that. Like, it's very hard to de- decipher, like, is this my selfish voice or is this God's voice? And I think the easy answer is, like, if it's something that's going to um, help God's kingdom, then that should be God's voice that you're hearing from. And again, I believe that Mark was following that and then his selfishness got in the way of a lot of it. But, you know, he he helped start up Acts 29, which now has over 700 churches across the U.S. I felt like they also didn't go back and talk to the nine churches that were originally Mars Hill. So there's still nine churches that are that are independent you know, as a result from Mars Hill. Yeah. And I don't think... Okay, yeah. I didn't I realize think that. They I think went, they talked to two of those pastors. Did they? Like yeah. earlier on then? In um, the, uh, I can't remember. I feel like one of them might have been a bonus episode. Okay. So you might not yeah, have gotten I didn't there get yet. that. But they, maybe that's an episode I need to listen to because I'd, I'd be curious to hear, okay, like what do you... Like you were part of Mars Hill and now you're not, um, but there's still a little bit of an origin you know, mm-hmm. and that's maybe there. your point too, Mike. That's like okay, like the the seeds were planted, were they watered enough to like okay, now they could go off on their own, and you yeah. know the church Mars Hill isn't there, but like there's still right, not even just the remnants. Maybe those are very healthy churches now, and they're they're growing and thriving. Like I don't exactly yeah. know kind of where and, they're at. And once again, not no, yeah, no, not to Mark's credit necessarily, right? Right. Just to mm-hmm. see that None hey, it should be to Mark's credit, but <laughs> in this world, like obviously, a lot of people put that placement yeah. on him he probably puts that placement on him like that's just the fallen world that we're in yeah. well that's the whole reason we're talking about this. right i mean exactly. we, put, we put a placement on the growth you got to put the place you know the blame on the failure as well too for sure um and i 100 percent agree with the failure and but again it's about the ends justifying the means and so you're looking at it from like the hey the, the people that did come to christ and what we would consider you know seattle we usually consider that a not super well, God fearing. It's the most unchurched <laughs> city in the country, Ooh, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I mean, if you're looking at it from that perspective, like, you know, was was he a light there to enough people that churches are now planted? There's there's growth there. There's legit people serving Christ there. Like, if you're looking at it from that perspective, okay, maybe the ends did justify the means. Is that kind of what your well, line of thought is like thinking? Then, like, I mean, we're also looking at it with you know through the rearview mirror, like understanding like what happened and seeing the growth in the church. But 
let me put it this way. Like if you knew, like if you were a part of a church and if you knew that the pastor was like acting the way that Mark Driscoll acted behind the scenes, would you stay at that church or would you, if you were in leadership, would you confront the pastor? Like, would you do something about it or would you let the growth happen because it's happening? That's a tough question just because, I mean, again, without knowing both sides of the story and what is actually happening at the time, I'm sure it got worse and worse at a certain point, right? Mm. And that's when things kind of came to head, even though it was way too long after what it should have happened. Like, yeah, it's one of those things that's, you know. I think for, for like a lot of, I mean, if you compare it to your job too, it's like if you're, the closer you are to the, the toxic, like the toxic person, like the more likely you are to be like, all right, like I'm out, like I don't need this. Right. So I think that's just, that's just for your church. If you have a boss that's really toxic, even if you're getting paid a lot, like a lot of people still be like, all right, like I don't want this, I don't need this, I'm out. So I feel like, again, if you're a, your average congregant that isn't dealing with Mark and, and is just there on Sundays, maybe you serve, maybe you're you know you're in a community group that's going well, but you're not really close to it, you probably stay. The closer you get to it, the more. Right. You see the unhealth and the more you're probably likely to be like, all right, like, I don't think this is good. Well, that's what I'm trying to get at. Like, you know, the question that we're asking is, does the ends justify the means? And so that's a hypothetical. Like if you were in that situation and you uncovered some things that, um, you know, probably shouldn't be happening or uh, just the, the way that a particular person is acting, treating people, behaving behind the scenes, even if they're out front preaching the gospel, like, you know, nothing you've ever heard before. Um, like that, that's hypothetical. Like if you were privy to those details, what would you do? If I, if I knew those things, but also knew that they were like working on it or repentant or like had a structure around them where you thought that they were like intentionally trying to, um, I don't get wisdom from someone else, counsel, change, then like, okay, I understand, you know, stay in there. But if you're like, no, this is something that seems to repeat, something that seems like they're unrepentant of, then I think, I think you leave. Hmm. But hard to know. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, It's it's hypothetical. Mm -hmm. It's hard to put yourself in that situation. Yeah. But I think that that highlights the, crux of this right is that people around him knew like because they were being mistreated or they were being thrown under the bus and um things didn't happen in the timeliness that they should have happened maybe could have happened it sounds like a lot of people tried to counsel him uh, or at least ask him to seek counsel from other pastors and he's like no that their churches aren't big enough that I can't listen to them. And there are some power struggles in there too. Like there's some, definitely some bold guys early on. I don't remember names, but you know, some of the elders that did get run over by the bus mm-hmm. and they that seemed like they made a pretty good effort to yeah. bring some things up. And that's another problem. It's like, all right, well um, you got a figurehead like that, that has a ton of power. How do you balance it out? makes me think of um i don't know just normal stuff that we're involved in as far as church Mm -hmm. leadership stuff yeah um what was like the the biggest takeaway you took 
from listening to the the whole series? Like, is there one thing you're like, <laughs> that's something I um, I'm going to take with me as far as not keeping an eye out for, but just something you learned where you're like, yeah, you know, positive. I feel like one of the big ones was like, like I, I don't, I don't probably get the the pressure and the stress that pastors are under for in like a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of my takeaways was like, man, I, I got to be praying for my pastor. Right. Like, like similar, like right around that time, there was uh, we've talked about James McDonald on this, and we were reading one of his books too. S- similar thing happened with him as well. But he had kind of launched this thing called the Elephant Room, and it was a bunch of pastors got together, and it was a bunch of these mega church pastors, and they had maybe a couple sessions of that. And it's you look back, and almost all those guys got, got kicked out of their church or lost their place in ministry for one reason or another. So whether it's being a bully or mm-hmm. affair stuff or financial mismanagement, you know, to whatever extent, almost all those guys that were like America's leading mega church pastors like we're all out so like it made me think of that of like gosh like my pastor's under a lot of different stress than than i probably realize and a lot of different temptations than i realize as well too and it, it made me think of like our right, church structure like yeah like how do you how do you set up accountability for a pastor how do you make sure your pastor is getting help and like has a safe place to like share stuff and, and just like the non-denominational church type of structure where it's built on this one or couple guys preaching and and that's the engine for growth but then that's also seems to be an an engine for failure as well too that like you get to a certain size you grow a certain you know amount you don't have those checks and balances anymore um so just it made me think of a lot of things like that but one i mean i think the biggest one just gosh i gotta be praying for my pastor and the temptations and stuff that he's not you know succumbing to those that, I mean, it makes me think about a number of different things because, again, with talking with Rick a bunch of times at, at our church, like, mm-hmm. again, I know he's been, like, I know Mark Driscoll played a big part in his ministry and in his life, and in a lot of ways his preaching style is very similar. You know, we've talked with him about, you know, finishing well, and that's a big thing in his life. Like, he's you've seen yeah, all of these yeah. guys who we connect with, the James McDonald's, the Mark Driscoll's. Rick is very much the same type of preaching style, you know, and that goes into personalities and all of that. And again, it is all about what you feel called to do in your life and as a pastor in that circumstance. And it's very easy to fall. So again, yeah, the ends justifying the means kind of the question there, but I think all of these guys have good intentions in a lot of different ways and then they fall in different ways. And I was talking with, Rick the other day at some point Redemption Chapel will fall maybe not under Rick maybe it's a hundred years from now but it will fall like we're in a fallen world so like it's just probably gonna... probably under Jared little little inside Redemption Chapel joke yeah. so that's where it's just it's so hard from that perspective to know and to see like again I and that's where I'm like it, it's hard for me to fully fall into like this narrative that Christianity today is, but it is a story. Like that's one of my points I have is like Christianity today, today, one of their main points towards this whole story was like the production value that, uh, that 
Mars Hill had to have and had to put out there to grow and put out there. What is Christianity? To, why are they doing this podcast? It's pretty good production value, though, that they put. Yeah, <laughs> like they're doing it to make money for their podcast. Like, they're how many people are they bringing to Christ through this podcast? Like, there's a lot of different things, and and who knows where the story ultimately comes from? Because one of the other points I had is like, I don't know how much you know about Christianity today. They're egalitarian versus like I think all of us would say that we're complementarian. So is Redemption Chapel. So is Mark Driscoll. And that that's a big thing that they played in that podcast as well. Is like they made this story of like Mark um again in his abusive style of how he went about things made that out to be demonstrative from the male role versus the female role. And again, I think they, they took that to an extreme where, yeah, Mark, he definitely pushed lines in that area, but he still preached very biblically from a complementarian point of view. And again, for, I guess, from a listener standpoint, we can define that, but egalitarian would be somebody who thinks that from a biblical standpoint, males and females are equal value and also equal roles in every sense of the way, right? And complementarian is we all have equal value as human beings, but we've been designed by God to have specific roles, especially in the home and in the church. Male headship. Male headship. Yeah. And it's a, that's a <laughs> one that we can probably kick around in another podcast of very confrontational. <laughs> I can't wait. That, that, that can go, that can go with our uh, <laughs> confronting challenging issues series. Yeah. Because that's a, that's a big one today. And one that even me just saying like, yeah, male headship in the home and in the church and that type of thing is like, oh, you can't say that. But again, everything that we say hopefully is going to come from a biblical perspective. And you can have, like, I, I think we all can agree that you can be egalita- egalitarian and be a Christian. You just have a different view with how some of those uh, verses would read and, and what that means. But I think they Christianity today, being egalitarian, they have put a big emphasis on that based on Mark's ministry and how much he emphasized his complementarianism in his preaching. Um, so I think that was a big part of it that kind of rubbed me the wrong way with how they went about all of that. And, uh, again, yeah, Mark's best part to guys like us is he's preaching us to, to challenge us and to challenge us to step up in a way that we are not being weak is especially today's day and age like men have become weak in a lot of different ways and masculine true masculinity is not being a dominant like person and and in in the way that mark probably was in a lot in a lot of different ways <laughs> not, not um, being like mark Russell all the time but leading but in a way that you're way taking he went charge the yeah. and leading by by the word mm-hmm. so again different things that i think is is part of that that just rubbed me the wrong way in the podcast yeah there are a lot of things like that 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 rubbed me the, the wrong way i'm not sure if i should go into them i won't do that give us one i mean you can't say that like what do you uh the, the one that i didn't i really didn't like the last episode and i just finished it about 30 minutes ago but the last episode rubbed me the wrong way i um Refresh our memories. Yeah, yeah it's right. been a while. <laughs> I felt like they were interviewing a lot of people, um, talking about the trauma that 
and maybe I'm not a sympathetic person, but the, it, it just some of them were were believers, some were non-believers. But going into just the trauma that Mark had inflicted on them, yeah. Um, and I think these were a lot of people that were staff members, um, and a lot of it can just be very one-sided. So I thought, you know, you have any confrontation, disagreement with anyone, there's always two sides of the of the story. And I felt like that last episode, I just didn't get a lot from it because it seemed like a lot of whining to me. And it made me, I just don't have a lot of sympathy for that. 100% agree. Um, <laughs> so I it, I just came away feeling like, all right, it, it just, it was unnecessary to me. I, I understand all of the, like a lot of the earlier episodes, there were concrete examples of, but I, I don't really want a, spin off one person that had a very bad experience and just being a you know basket case afterwards part of me is thinking all right well your head was obviously not on i don't think you were a very stable person to begin with <laughs> um or that you had like you know your identity or your faith identity was completely wrapped around a person mm-hmm. not uh, what christianity is and who Christ is. So I just didn't value the opinions as much. And I had a feeling like there's probably a lot more to this person's story that mm-hmm. I would love to hear the other side. For sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, that goes back to my point of uh, these people that they're interviewing, going through it with, like, where were they in their walk with Christ to begin with? Like, yeah, I get it. Mark had this dynamic preaching. It sucked, it sucked you in. And all of a sudden, you got ran over by by the bus because you were sucked in by Mark. Mm-hmm. You now, know? You're, now you're questioning their heart, though. Exactly. <laughs> you don't know their heart. And it sounds like their heart's not in the right place. <laughs> and I don't care about your heart. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, like to that point, I feel like you said there were a bunch of concrete, like literal recordings of Mark tearing people apart. Yeah. And like, I feel like there is trauma associated with that. So. Yeah, maybe you're not sympathetic with it, but I think that there definitely is, like, church trauma is huge. Mm -hmm. Like, people are burned by the church because if the church is about the church or about the pastor or about the music or about this or about that, anything other than Jesus, then there's going to be pain, there's going to be trauma, and it's going to be real. Like, and I feel like there was... I mean, again, I'm coming at this from a different angle than all of you guys, but like, I feel like there was enough evidence, at least in the, in the previous episodes that point to legitimate, like drama from these things. Um, so whether you question like where they were coming from originally or where their hearts were at during that time, I think it's legitimate church heart, which is a huge issue that I think is rampant in the United States, all over the world, in places where, like I said, where Jesus is not the focus of the church. And, like, that's one of the main things that I took away is, you know, seeing seeing a church that was growing exponentially, but it didn't seem like Jesus was necessarily at the heart of it in a lot of cases, in a lot of instances, and that's why... Like it collapsed. That's why people were hurt significantly by it. That's why people 
like you said, maybe put their faith in Mark instead of putting their faith in faith in Jesus. And like, that's always going to cause problems. Yeah. Well, we can continue to argue that point, but maybe that's a good transition into just the modern church and some of those issues that are going on. Because again, I think you said when the church stops focusing on Jesus, I, I don't, again, not seeing like, yeah, there was some self, a lot of selfish things that was going on there, but I, I think his preaching still focused around Jesus. And I think there's a lot of a, any church that you go to, there's going to be some church trauma that goes along. I, would you guys say that redemption is a very Jesus focused, biblically preaching church? hundred percent. We know that there's church trauma that right. has happened. And like that will happen in a lot of, in, in every church that, that happens. It's just a matter of how you handle some of those things. And obviously Mars Hill and Mark Driscoll did not handle those things in the right way. And that's where the downfall I I think you just look at the scope of the trauma too, like the amount of people that came out of this story with like all these negative feelings towards church, all the like, how many interviews were there? Okay. But you talk about like thousands of people leaving the church. Like that's a fact. Like you can see the thousands of people left after the downfall of everything. Yes. Yeah. Like obviously, yeah, they had, they had put their face during like when it was happening. Like you can look at the attendance, the, the statistics of the church. But again, we don't, we don't know how many of those people want. That's where we don't know. Like how many people went away from the faith in that standpoint? It's all like that could be percentage. We know it's not a good thing though. Right. Right. For sure. I I think, (laughs) yeah, I'm not, it's it's not, we don't know all this. Playing playing semantics with, People's it's not a good thing. We can't judge can't, that. Can't do that. Those numbers yeah, so we can't judge it. But we know it's like I mean that happened to a, a local <laughs> church here where a pastor was just recently removed. Like that was there's trauma. Like there, there's real hurt. Like that goes on. Like with that. So yeah, we know it's not good when a pastor gets removed publicly and yeah. you know the church has to break up and stuff. So but I think that's where it's like you kind of get to that line. It's like yeah, we're all sinners. We all have stuff we need to work on. Our pastors included. Um. And it and it gets to the point where if you're not working on that stuff, it it's gonna come to a head. It's gonna come to a head in our lives too if we're not working on stuff. And that's why we talk about accountability. And we talk about growing and continuing to like root out the crap that we all have in our lives. And if you don't do that, sometimes it comes out pretty publicly. And we we all know people that that's happened to personally in the church and out of the church. And it and it does seem like there's it's more devastating when it happens to a pastor. And yeah. it seems like it happens more often than it should. For sure. Um, and this was a big example of it. It's crazy to think about just the idea of church in general. It's like, all right, like we're all people, (laughs) every business, but similar to every church. It's like, what do we expect? But we, I, I feel like we (laughs) do have a high expectation for churches, Mm -hmm. but when you step back and you're like, man, what, what do we expect though? It's like, we are messy people (laughs) trying to do awesome stuff, but, uh, we are going to fail a lot. And so it's, it, you know, I, I think the, the big takeaway is like, obviously it can go way wrong. Yeah. Um, and maybe a takeaway as well is just that expect it to go wrong. <laughs> Help if you can. Yeah. If you see something, like that. call it out because, you know, and maybe it means you're no longer welcome there. And maybe that's the biggest blessing for you and your family to actually leave. Yeah. I think, you know, I think that's it, a great point. And yeah. there's probably mm-hmm. some, there's probably some stories like that where it was like, yep, I, uh, you know, I saw it going wrong. I did what I could, couldn't do anything else. And we left and went somewhere else. Yeah. And, um, 
at the same time, you sign up to do church, it's going to get, it's not going to be perfect. So don't, don't walk in expecting it's going to be perfect because, um, the people that are running it, they're just people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that it, what you said made me think and what Mike said about how we focus on accountability. And I think it's way easier for things to go south if it's depending on one person or one person is over everything and above above reproach, above the law, above confrontation, above uh, repentance. So I think recognizing that, that it's easy to fail on your own or with one person. But if you have a group um, of people who you let in, who you have accountability with and have that uh, just relationship with, I feel like that helps like you're right. We're messy people. It's never going to be, <laughs> never going to be perfect. Never going to be even close to the standard that God sets for us. But, um, I think that it's easier, way easier to fail on your own. And I feel like if we, I mean, we need to admit that more often because I feel like out people outside looking in, you know, that probably think, you know, everybody in Marseille was a hypocrite or, or whatever, you know, the other people in the unchurched in Seattle probably, you know, have a very negative opinion of him. And that's if you're holding yourself out to be a leader and you're holding yourself out to be perfect, everybody knows you're not. But then when it does hit the fan, it's, it's a more devastating kind of fall. Mm -hmm. And we maybe need to be more real about, yeah, about how we are failures in in different ways or just not put ourselves out there that we're perfect and, and have a little bit more grace for other people probably do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it's easy for us considering our personalities being similar in a lot of ways of being like, we, we can't, I could never see myself being run over by the bus essentially. Right. I mean, (laughs) but if somebody was in that church, I can see them very easily being like, like, yeah, this preaching is great. This he's, this guy's helping me lead my family better. And they're just, you know, very mild mannered person. And all of a sudden like that can, change their life with what goes down there. So like, I I get how that stuff Mm -hmm. happens. And yeah, sometimes it's hard to separate that fact of, you know, how, how personalities differ in those senses. But again, I I think it all comes down to, yeah, it's, we all have to have a strong walk with Christ outside of just what we're doing with our local church. So I don't, I don't know how far if we want to go down that path, because we mentioned some of those things. I know we're probably about an hour into this already. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it's like that, that's the biggest thing though, with churches of denominations versus non-denominations, uh, which we can probably talk about another time, but it's, it is the accountability piece. And I think like our church, it's non-denominational, but there are a lot of checks and balances and there's a lot of things to hold everybody accountable, all of the pastoral staff and what's happening. And it's just a matter of making sure that there's going to be people in leadership positions in that church. Um, that will help to keep those checks and balances in place. Obviously, that's where things went sour with Mars Hill. Any other thoughts on that? Or? Was, that was willing to say no, kind of got kind of got pushed to the side, and then run over by up, the bus. You end up with a lot of side. End up with <laughs> yes, you know, a bunch of yes men, and then there's there's no one that can kind of stop the bus from yeah. going off the rails too. Yep. Yeah, well, I think like humility is essential in leadership. Mm-hmm. And I think that we can all say uh, Mark Driscoll probably lacked humility. 
Mm, yes, okay. I would say that. Okay, we can agree on that. <laughs> we can agree to that. And we don't know his heart, but uh, we could say probably. Yeah, I don't think he's ever apologized for anything that yeah. he's done from what so, I've seen. So. so I think we can agree on that. And <laughs> I think that that's an important piece of leadership in general is to have that humility and have that willingness to be coached, sharpened, like yeah. continue that education, not just say, I'm I'm the best and can't t- touch me. Yeah. And I, I don't know all this. I, I was looking up a little bit of research on it, but I know he's been pastoring a church in in Scottsdale, Arizona, mm-hmm. and pretty sure they've got some stuff going on there too of oh, really? same same types of scenarios. Shocking. Encountering. So, <laughs> yeah. Ryan is not surprised at all. <laughs> yeah. But you don't know his heart, Ryan. I don't. So I do not know his <laughs> heart. Don't know his heart. <laughs> true. That's very true. Check your heart. <laughs> <laughs> Name of the podcast? Still, <laughs> still beating. Yeah. All right. Well, I think this next was, time. Yeah, this was a good discussion. And I think, yeah, like all, all the more reason. If, if you don't have someone that you're accountable with or a group that you're accountable with, like... Yeah, takeaways. Even <laughs> even the, the most spiritual, the, the people that are out there that are leading others to Christ still have stuff going on that they need accountability for. They need be called out on their crap because we all have it so if, if you don't have that that's something that obviously with core for life or you know our church like they want you to be a part of a community where you can be real and and not try to try to fake it and act like you're perfect because we already know you're not we know we're not <laughs> yeah. you know and so don't we know we know our pastors aren't either so that's that's yeah. something i think we that's, know that intimately we know yes. <laughs> we know, we know you're not perfect <laughs> we know you're listening yeah. and we know you're not <laughs> so yeah Put yourself out there. Open yourself up. Admit that you need help and you need Jesus. I think that's what Christianity is in the first place. You got to admit that you need that and that you're not perfect. Um, and it just goes better if you can admit that to other people and start working on those things for sure. Mike, I'm sorry for calling your question dumb. That's all right, man. I'll there never forgive you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not humble. <laughs> Don't follow our example. <laughs> I'm just really glad I don't have to listen to that podcast anymore. <laughs> <laughs> the rise and fall. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I crash coursed it yeah. just for everyone in the last week. Yeah. And I've never been more depressed <laughs> while listening to it. It's tough. So it's, it's, it it's is. Deep. It's heavy. Would you stuff, say you've had, so you have trauma from, uh, <laughs> I'm definitely feeling some trauma. <laughs> so if you want to listen to a long podcast that really gets you down, <laughs> well, if anything, we just boosted up the Mars Hill podcast for oh, yeah. people. <laughs> You're welcome. Go to some early vintage uh, Mark Driscoll sermons. They're fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Mark Driscoll, if you're listening and you want to be on and share your side of the story, we'd be I happy did, to have man. you on. I emailed him and his staff team. I did not hear back. <laughs> <laughs> Again, not surprising. <laughs> no. I sent him because I, I, I did a blog on this of the rise and fall of crossed out Mars Hill and put American churches, but uh. based it on this podcast. I uh, did that a while back, and I sent him that blog. And did not hear back from that. <laughs> you guys both knew about that blog post, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Matt, and I are, Matt and I are still writing ours, too. Oh, yeah, Mine's yeah. in draft mode. Yeah. I was waiting for Matt to post his. Then I thought mine again. was due in 2024. <laughs> <laughs> so again, we're not perfect. So uh, yeah. Yeah. we can just end on that. Yep. All right. Good stuff, guys. Bye. Oh, love, you. love you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I said, see you later, boy. <laughs>
core for life. Yep. I said a core for life. <laughs> <laughs> Dilly.